0: Psalms 23, verse 6, very familiar passage, and if you'd stand to honor the reading of God's Word, i so much appreciate it. Everybody shout, surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Everybody say it together. Forever. Forever. God, we ask that you would do something special as we preach and teach your Word together, both in this place and those listening. Uh, by video and other ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Shout amen. 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 Please be seated. Uh, If you've been coming here for many, you know, (laughs) for a few months, uh, you know by now that I grew up in a little small town called Chateau, Louisiana, and that at heart I am a country boy. And uh, one of the things that I used to enjoy doing as a country boy especially in June, July, August when it would rain uh, in Louisiana. I spent most of those days um, uh, barefoot with no shoes on, running and moving around. And when it would rain, one of the things that I loved the most is uh, they'd have these mud puddles. Can you say mud puddle? (laughs) And uh, and on a hot day in Cushada, after a rain, there was nothing better then with bare feet, just, just, just walking the mud puddle with the water and mud coming up through your toes. And oh, that was just a great experience. Now they, now they charge you a lot of money in these spas. <laughs> but I could do it for free, y'all. Come on now. And uh, one day I was in the mud puddle having a good time. And, my grandmother, who we call Munt, I guess had been calling me and I didn't hear her. And so finally she's going to hear you better get in here. And, uh, and so I heard her, and the next thing I know, I cut out and ran out of the mud puddle, down through the yard, up on the porch, through the living room, into the kitchen, say, here I am, Munt. And she looked at me and then she looked behind me <laughs> and saw Oh, those footprints! Isn't that? I can kill you. <laughs> well, thank God she didn't kill me. I'm here today. Can you say footprints? Matter of fact, she could see the footprints of where I had been, and the and the and the track into the house. I want to argue today that really verse 6 in Psalms 23, this familiar passage, is really about footprints. It's really about the psalmist trying to say that if you're looking for God in the valley, Shout Valley, one of the best places to look for God is to try to find God's footprints as they exist in your he's going to identify what those footprints are. But before we get there, just walk through this text just a little bit because I just love this text. It, 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 there's some subtle shifts in the text. It begins with this imagery of the shepherd. David, who is the writer of this, is, knows what a shepherd is. And, and it's this image. So it starts off, notice the tense that it works off. It starts off, the Lord is my Shepherd I shall not want uh, he everybody shout he. he come on third person Notice the third person He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Everybody shout. He. he he leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul this third person he 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 he, he. And then it says he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his Namesake, and and it is this image of the shepherd, if you will, uh, uh, moving along with his sheep, and it's kind of as though the, there's a third person, there's a little distance there, he. But then when it gets to verse four, everybody shout in the valley. There's a shift in the tense. And notice what it says: "Yea, though I walk." Through Silicon Valley and <laughs> the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil for you, for thou. Notice the, 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 the shift in the tense. Notice that something uniquely personal has happened. It is the psalmist's reminder that in the valley, that's where God finds us and we find God. In the valley. Mm. Fear no evil, for thou art with me, your rod and your staff. And comfort me. Shout in the valley. What's unique about a Jewish valley and many valleys, and I got to go to Israel many years ago, and, and it's, it's an interesting, their the valleys are, are interesting in that that re, two realities can, in a sense, dwell in the same valley. There's the the... the, the, the the, the, the greenery and the trees and some of the best fruit on the planet comes out of the valley uh, in Israel. And yet, at the same time, those valleys can give way, uh, can house dangerous animals and can give way to, to, to dryness and high thirst and this notion of life and death living together in the same valley. I think the psalmist was in fact describing Silicon Valley. Because here in Silicon Valley, two realities, life and death has a unique way of of coexisting. Just, just, Just two worlds in the same valley. For Example, I did a quick search and I discovered in Silicon Valley, there are more than 40 billion, uh, 40 billionaires. Can you say billionaire? More than 40 billionaires in Silicon Valley. And there are thousands of millionaires throughout Silicon Valley. While that is true, shout life, there happens to also exist... One out of every fourth person in Silicon Valley is in danger of becoming hungry. 720,000 people, according to a recent study, are in risk of becoming hungry based on the risk factors. They miss more than one meal a day. They go to a food bank to get their food or their own food stamps, or they're using uh, rent money or utility money. And some of y'all know this because this is your story just to make sure you can put food on the table in the same valley in Silicon Valley this is the home of Apple Google and Facebook and Yahoo and PayPal and in the same valley this is a place where tens of thousands of people are homeless Living uh, in shelters and on the street and in vehicles, cars, and in garages with family members in the same valley, coexisting two realities. In this valley, we have some of the finest educational institutions in the world, whether it's Stanford or Berkeley, and the list goes on and on and on. And yet, in the same valley, we have tens of thousands of young people in middle school and high school who are falling through the cracks. Becoming a part of the undertow. In the same valley. So if there's ever a place that we need to know that God is, it's in the valley. And the psalmist gives us some great news when he declares, Yea, though I walk through the valley, this combination of life and death, I won't be afraid because God is in the valley. Tell the person next to you, God is also in the valley. Tell him he's in the valley. sometimes it's not so obvious. Notice the psalmist says, yea, though I walk, shall walk. What's unique about living in Silicon Valley is that none of us walk. We're all running in Silicon Valley. Right, we, we are all on treadmills in Silicon Valley. We're just running and running and running. If you're wealthy, you're on a treadmill. You're trying to keep up with all of your enterprises to protect your wealth and to expand it. If you're poor, you're on a treadmill because you're running, running, trying to make sure that you can pay your bills and take care of your family. Everybody's running in Silicon Valley. Come on, tell the person next to you, yeah, I'm running, I'm running. Are you running? I'm running, I'm running. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, running to church and running home and running to the job and running to the store and running to take the kids here and running to take the kids there. Just running it, run it, and running and running and running and running and The problem is that when we're running in the valley trying to uh, concoct solutions to the to the unsolvable, trying to find our way, trying to handle life on our own terms. It is easy when we're running not to see God in the valley. Just miss him. Just miss him. At some point, you have to just, just start looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? Here I walk through the valley of shadow death. You know you. God with me, you're here. Narod and I have to comfort me. Now, verse five, there's another subtlety that takes place. I really like it. Watch this. Thou prepares a table for me before the presence of my enemies. Now, I like this. Shout subtlety. Now, if you could see this scene on Netflix. You'd be surprised at what would happen if they were showing this. Because in verse 4, you would see a normal valley with trees and and dryness and animals and and all of that. The streams, the rivers, the mountains on the side, you'd see the valley. And then when it got to church, when it get to verse 5, All of a sudden, it would be like the lights are turned on. Come on now. And the walls would open up, and you'd discover that the valley, based on what the psalmist is saying, watch this, that the valley is actually sitting inside of something bigger. And the something bigger that the valley is sitting in. is called the house of the Lord. It's a temple. That's the scene. And suddenly, God is no longer the shepherd Guiding sheep, but God becomes a host. He puts a towel around his hands. Come on now. And and, and he welcomes you. Oh my gosh. And, and and hence he prepares a table in the presence of the enemy. I always always get confused like this. I always would think, well, my goodness, shouldn't he? Shouldn't have said, Well, I came to the house. And he told me to go over here into this room. And when I went in the room, I saw a table was present. It does not say that. It is right in the middle of the valley. The activity is the valley. And right in the middle of the activity of the valley, here comes a table that is being prepared in the presence of the enemies. And that is the right of way of saying, come on now. You're saying, well, I don't know whether I want God in my space. And God is reminding you, come on now. No, if you're in the valley, the valley is in God's space. The earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas. He didn't have to get here to be here. Come on now. He was here before you arrived. Come on, you, 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 you're doing as well as you're doing because he's here. You don't see him, but he's here. What happens when you come to a table so suddenly you come to the table and he says he's prepared the table for you, right? It's for you. Come on, tell the person it's for you. It's for you. He's prepared. So what do you do when you, when you come to a table that's in the middle of the valley? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? When you come to the table, what do you do? Come on, tell me, what do you do? You, you, you sit down, right? right? And so in order to sit down, I mean, if you're going to eat, you're going to sit down, right? So, 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 so you got to slow down in order to sit down. All right, one of the seductions of the valley is this. This is the seduction of the valley. The seduction of the valley says you can't slow down. I mean, how many of us have said this? You know your family said can you I really can't. I wish I could, but I can't. You know, the church activities. I I wish I could, but I can't. Why? Because I can't slow down. I can't slow down. Why can't you slow down? If I slow down, somebody's gonna get ahead of me. What, what if I? If I slow down, I'm gonna fall behind. If I if I slow down, if I slow down, I'm gonna lose my job. If I if I slow down, if I slow down, if I slow down, I, slow down I just gotta keep moving and moving and moving and moving. Shout seduction. It's a seduction in the valley. You can slow. As a matter of fact, one of the ways we slow down is by coming to church on Sunday, even though we're on a treadmill to get here. But for an hour and 10 minutes, we've slowed down and opened up space for God to consider God, to reflect on God. Come on now. And it is only when we slow down and sit down to reflect on God, that's when we begin to recognize his footprints. Come on, his footprints that have been trailing us all along through the yard, up the porch, in the living room. That's what happens in the text. It does not say that uh, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and, uh, and then he goes on and says, he anoints my head with oil and all that. It does not say, then he gets up. No, it's at the table. He has a, really, he has a revelation, and the revelation is, surely goodness and mercy has followed. All right, all right. Shout, enemies. All right, let's say there's a little word about the enemies. See, he's at the table. He's, he's, he's reflecting. Let me name two enemies. In Silicon Valley. The first enemy is comparison. You know that enemy, don't you? That's that's, it's comparison. In Silicon Valley, we get wrapped up easily in comparison. Oh, your house is bigger than mine, so I got to work harder so that I can have a house like you. You drive a Tesla, I drive a Toyota. What do I need to do to drive a Tesla? I got to drive a Tesla, y'all. What grades your kids make? What grade my kids, what school are you going to? Let me tell you what school. What, what sports are your kids involved in? So I can tell you what sports my kids are involved in. You know, comparison. Comparison. Yeah. A lot of us eat, sleep, comparison. Some of y'all let the love of your life walk out because you didn't think she was as cute as somebody else. And you woke up with the other. <laughs> and you learned that <laughs> it might look good on the outside. that don't mean it's real good on the inside. Come on now. Shout comparison. Rick Warren said it this way, Pastor Rick Warren. He says, when you compare, there's always going to be somebody better than you. And there's always going to be somebody worse than you. And so it puts you in a posture of making a judgment. So really, you just suspend with comparison altogether. Just be faithful. Shout faithful. Faithful. Oh, here's another, here's another, here's another enemy in the, in that he makes a table in front of. Here's another enemy. Another enemy is what I, I want to call misplaced identity. That, that I, you know, I, 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 ask the person next to you. Say, who are you? Ask them. Even if you think you know, come on, ask them, who are you? All right, now when they tell you, just say, now how do you know? <laughs> my my beautiful, brilliant daughter, who I love with all my heart, every now and then can get on my nerves. <laughs> and, and 13 years old, and she mess with her daddy. I come in and I come in the room, I announce and say, baby, your daddy is home. And she says, How do you know? So if you're sitting here today under the sound of my voice, and if I ask you who you are, and if you say, I'm somebody, I'm going to ask you, how do you know you're somebody? Do you base that on how much money is in your bank account? How do you know you're somebody? Do you base that on how many educational degrees on your wall? How do you know you're somebody? Is it because the kind of clothes you wear, the tennis shoes on your feet? How do you make the judgment that you are somebody because if it means you're somebody because you got a lot of money. Well, are you suggesting that if I'm poor, I'm not somebody? Come on. If, if, if you're somebody because you got a lot of education, are you suggesting if I'm a high school dropout, I'm not somebody? Come on. Or yeah. are are the reverse, right? Because of what I don't have, you conclude. What you don't have, you conclude, I'm not somebody. Some of you say, well, I'm going to be somebody someday. I love this text, y'all, because here comes the revelation. It says, There's a table. Come on now. And then at the table, it says, He anoints my head with oil. You know what that meant, right? Anointing the head with oil. That was, in, in David's day, that was when, if you were going to be appointed a king or a, a prophet, they would pour all on you to say that you're God's chosen one, you're God's appointed one. Come on now, and the all will represent the power and the presence of God's spirit. And what David was writing here is that if you slow down and sit down at the table that God prepares for you, you'll discover that no matter who you are, come on now, that God will pour some all on you. Rich or poor, black or white, come on, right or left, short or tall, God declares, I love you so, you are mine. He pours all on me. My cup runneth over. I'm gonna ask the person next to you, do you have any oil on you? And what God says, and as Christians, what we, what we translated it as, because Jesus died and got up from the dead, come on now, and then breathed on us and gave us his spirit. Well, here's how we, we know we're somebody, not because of our bank account, not because of our pedigree of our name. We're somebody because we belong to Jesus Christ. Anybody? Shout Anybody? Whatever your history, anybody, come on. Whatever your challenges, anybody comes into God's house where the valley sits, where there's a table. He says, I got some oil. I want to remind you who you are. All right, now back into, into this little verse 6 because when he gets the oil sitting at the table, Having slowed down, sat down, he now reflects. And in his reflection, he's able to see some footprints. There's a fellow that Skip writes about. His name is uh, Paul Ely. Ely. Paul tells a story. He says uh, that he was uh, born into a family in the Depression. And his parents took him to church weekly but when he went to college he left the church and faith thing alone like some of us he so he's had a mind of science and mathematical mind his father was an engineer some of his greatest times was he remember when he was spending time with his dad <clears throat> they were doing projects together and his dad gave him some homespun wisdom don't just take other people's opinion challenge What people say, challenge what they think, challenge the status quo. And he grew up believing and enjoying, and that made him a successful executive for Hewitt Packard ultimately over 20 years. And then he became a venture capitalist and and, and all that. Then, about 1997, his wife, he, he retired, his wife contracted Alzheimer's. And life, slowed him down he was busy before then he was on the treadmill but he slowed down for 13 years he cared for his wife and after she died he tells a story that one night he was sleeping and something happened in the dream that totally changed his life at this point he's 76 years old she spent basically 76 years on the planet really around here in silicon valley uh, not recognizing where God was, not, not realizing that there was any footprints in his life. He basically thought he was a self made man. You know, he's wealthy, he's powerful, he's influential. But here he is at 75, sleeping. He says, He has a dream, and in a dream, it becomes so palatable, real. He says, Suddenly he fills up with gratitude because in a fast, he said, it was like watching a YouTube of his life he said he saw everything from the beginning to the end and suddenly it dawned on him that everything that he thought he had accomplished was in fact a gift that had been given to him, that God had given him a gift. Come on now. And he said he just started watching, and he said to the parents that raised him during the depression, suddenly he realized God had given him that gift. And the college that he went to, God had given him the gift. The friends that he had, God had given him the gift. God had been standing in the shadows of the valley all alone. Come on now. And in his dream, there was a table being prepared before him. And suddenly he's realizing in a point of reflection, he had to go to sleep before he could wake up, y'all. the wife Martha came to him as a as a gift the kids came to him as a gift and suddenly he realized that it wasn't because he was so smart it wasn't because he was so charismatic it wasn't because yes even those things were gifts from God that he used very well as God would have wanted him to use but they were all gifts and they pointed to the goodness our goodness The goodness of God. And he saw the footprints from outside on the porch in the living room right in his dream. God had been there all the time. And suddenly he became grateful. And he heard a voice in the dream. Says, it's time for you to find me. But because he had the dream, it meant that God had already found him. (laughs) For somebody listening to me today, the voice is for you. It's time for you to locate God who already knows where you are. Isn't that good news? So, Paul is from one side of the track. Shout goodness. And then it says mercy, shout mercy. Another I'm talking about how you figure out where God is, you look for the footprints. And the mercy is, is better translated unfailing love. Love that won't let you go. Love that won't let you down. Love that you can't shake loose. God's love. A friend of mine, Minister Darren Borkins, who I loved dearly, he and I go back 30 plus years. He's from New Orleans and his story really originates in New Orleans. And I'm going to pick this because, see, Silicon Valley, we say if you can find God in Silicon Valley, you can find God everywhere (laughs) because there are elements of Silicon Valley all over the country. And Darren tells his story. I asked him, I said, man, how did you meet the Lord? Darren is interesting. I love him. Comes every Easter. Brilliant guy, generous. He's helped to change the world through his generosity and philanthropic giving. I said, man, well, tell me about it." He's a successful entrepreneur, entrepreneur, businessman. And so he said, well, he said, I was a high school dropout. My family had divorced, and I went on the wrong side. He said, I used to stick up people. And one day, I ended up in the jailhouse. And he said there was a group of us. And we had a little meeting and exchanged best practices for sticking up people. So that we figured out, so the next time we get out, we wouldn't end back up. So when I got out, I took the new best practices. And I had targeted somebody that I was going to stick up. And then, he says, he went in the bathroom. And went in the bathroom and washed up. He looked in the mirror. He says the best way he can explain it is when he looked in the mirror, he heard a voice. And the voice said, what are you doing? The voice says, you're better than this. You're not made for this. He said it frightened him so. He ran out of the bathroom, left the guy alone. The next thing he knew, he was telling his dad, I want to go to college, come on now. This shook him awake and, 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 he, and he hadn't graduated. He had a GED and he showed up in college and in a remedial school, remedial, uh, remedial col- uh, a class and, and he was sitting there, the guy next to him was, had finished up his math in like 10 minutes and Darren said he was on page two in the book and, 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 and he said, how did you do it? And, and the guy turns out to be a Jesus follower. And the Jesus follower said, come on now, the best signpost that God is in the valley it should be you. Come on now, if you're a Jesus follower, how you love. And the guy said to Darren, can I help you? Why don't you let me study? Darren said, absolutely. So they studied together day after day after day. And by the end of the semester, Darren went from being f and d's to being straight a's from being tutor to being a tutor come on now several years later he graduated and now he's a philanthropic figure sending kids to school and helping to buy homes for other people and and blessing and changing the world come on now And, and it's a reminder come on now god is saying to somebody what are you doing today you're in the valley chasing your dream what about my dream for you Sometimes, you see, Darren slowed down a little bit in the bathroom. Paul slowed down in the dream. You and I have to find a way to slow down, to reflect, and to see the footprints of God. And then the text ends. I love this. It's so, it, it, it could be easily missed because it's hidden in the Hebrew. It says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. The actual word is pursue me. Pursue me. Tell the person next to you, look behind you. Say, look behind you. Come on, his goodness and mercy is pursuing you. It's pursuing you. It's trying to get your attention. It's trying to get your attention. It's, it's, it's trying to shake you. It's trying to make you aware that of God's plans for your life. And then it says, uh, pursue me. It says, and so I shall dwell. Say dwell in the house now the hebrew beneath the word dwell is better translated return can you say return Return. wow and in this notion here it says what the psalmist is saying here's how you survive the insanity of the silicon valley you have to make a habit of returning to the house of the lord Did you hear what I say? Come on, come on, come on. When I was a kid growing up, they make you feel guilty if you miss church. And I was, my daddy was a preacher. He knew how to do it. And so in the summertime, I'd go stay with my grandmama. Come on now. So that I could miss all the church I want because she missed church too, all right? So I so, said, so that was fine. But, but, but as an adult, I discovered, come on now, that the reason why I need to keep showing up in the house of the Lord is not because I'm guilty. It's because I need to keep showing up in the house of the Lord week after week because that's going to keep me sane, come on now. It's going to keep me in touch with who I am in God. It's going to keep me in touch with the fact that I'm more than my possessions. It's going to keep me in touch with the fact that even when sickness comes, come on now, I'm still claimed by God's love. The singing and the teaching of God's word open it up in my life. It'll send me back out into the valley fully aware of who I am come on now ready to do battle with life but then I got to come right back again and again and again if not the valley will seduce you wow. and always when I come to this point I used to tell people come on to church and I say a lot of good churches all over the place and there are tons but I can't account for those churches. I can count for this one. And so I can challenge you to come on back to this one. Come on now. Not that we're perfect, because we're not. Come on now. But, but we're trying to build a culture that says, we're going to love you no matter who you are. Come on. We're going to forgive you no matter what. Now, not that we're perfect. There's some folk that's messed up. We mess up, but that's all right. Our heart is aiming in the right direction. All right, let me, let me finish, and the musician can come. with. and a little music but I want you to catch a picture of this I want you to see the power of what happens when you understand your role in helping God to set a table in His house. Last weekend we had 2,000 people, more than 2,000 people show up at the Center. you know how they got there? Because y'all you and you and you and you Fasted and prayed for 40 days and invited this one and that one and this one and that one and because they knew you They trusted you and they showed up and you know what happened 40 of them Accepted Jesus for the very first time shifting their destiny Do you know that was you that was you that's because of you and you know what else happened a hundred and forty Rededicated their lives to the purposes of Jesus right in the valley, come on now! Isn't that good news? <laughs> All because of you. And so that says two things: one, you ought to be able to Im- keep inviting. Say, keep inviting. Yeah. Bring people to the house. Bring people to the house. Bring people to the house. There's some stuff happen here. They don't happen on the jobs. So to the house, and then self serving. You need to be able to. You know part of why they ran into such love is because hundreds of you were serving with love For some of you. It was the first time ever that you served. So I just want to challenge you today If you haven't served at one time, I want to challenge you to pray about taking another step To serve regularly you help God in the business of preparing a table In the presence of the enemy in the valley come on give God a hand praise